If the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. God wants to finish the story. And the very thing that we would love, He enfolds in Himself all that would bring joy and life and peace to us. Welcome to Keep the Main Thing, a podcast of sermons and messages from Pastor Leland Evenson. I'm Mark Evenson. First off, an apology for the lengthy break between podcasts. I have no real good excuses or reasons, frankly. We've set out to make sure that all the sermons we have collected of my father's would make its way out into the world so that everyone would have the chance to listen to them again. And we plan to follow through with that. With the content we have to distribute, we cannot afford too many prolonged intermissions. Even if that means playing less golf. No, wait. Uh, Spencer, cut that out of the intro. No way am I going to tell people I'm playing less golf. Maybe less TV or something. I know, less pickleball. The audience will like that. Everyone is pickleball crazy these days. And they don't need to know that I don't even really play. Okay, good. Uh, Where were we? Getting serious again. Today's message from Pastor Lee was given on September 13, 1987. It had to be another rough weekend for my father since this would have been my mother's birthday weekend. Her 53rd birthday would have been the day before, September 12th. The sting would have still been pronounced and his heart pretty heavy given her passing just 60 days before that. This is another sermon with the younger generation in mind, like the sermon he gave on Mother's Day and Father's Day that year. It is a bit interesting that the sermons were not directed at the youth, but directed at parents, guardians, teachers, all the adults who can help bring along the next generation of young people, making this a better world. Pastor Lee uses four points as the underpinnings for this sermon. You know, it must be a very important sermon when he has four points instead of three. You will discover that there was an absolute need for all four of the points that he structures his talk around. One of the interesting aspects of this sermon is that he directly instructs the listeners that day to step up and apply this message at home like right now. Going as far as suggesting that he would be their accountability partner over the upcoming weeks in an effort to get his parishioners to take this instruction seriously. He starts out by reading a few verses from a very famous poem titled, Children Won't Wait by Helen M. Young. You can easily find the poem on the internet. It's very good. I was reading that at some baby showers, this poem is read by the future grandmother to the expectant mother. I found that to be a meaningful tradition. If I've learned one thing from this sermon, it is you cannot learn everything you need to raise your children in a book. And for sure, children as well cannot learn what they need to learn from a book or TV or the internet. I hope you gleaned something from today's message from Pastor Lee Evenson. Here is Keys for Children, September 13, 1987. weeks ago uh, I was playing golf on a Sunday afternoon and I got my keys locked in the car didn't realize it till I was done with the golf game which was good otherwise I wouldn't have enjoyed it and so uh, thinking about that problem I thought probably wouldn't be too hard to get uh, some couple who would probably spend four hours there anyhow and wouldn't mind taking another 20 minutes to 
uh, take me home and get another set of keys rather than trying to get a coat hanger and uh, do that kind of number and getting into the car. First couple I asked, uh, grandfather, grandmotherly looking couple uh, who I thought on the leisurely Sunday afternoon may be willing to do that, but her only response to me as I shared my problem and asked which direction they were going home was to say, you do have a problem, don't you? <laughs> so I approached a second, uh, again an elderly couple who looked like uh, they certainly on a leisurely Sunday afternoon were looking for someone that they could help and, and share with in some way and help out of a tight spot. And so I went up to them and his response was to say, oh, it's too bad you don't have something like I do. And he went over to his car and pressed those little buttons on the outside and click, his car opened up and away they went. <laughs> That led to covetousness and envy and a lot of other things which I won't share. <laughs> Finally, the third uh, young man who had some children and probably didn't have the, uh, nearly the time that the others did was willing to uh, take and give me a ride so that uh, I could finally get the keys to my car and, and get in. There are a lot of children today who are frustrated because our response to them and all of their kinds of wanting to find life and purposes and peace is to say, you do, do have a problem, don't you? Or maybe we do such things in such a way that they see we are finding life and peace and joy and purpose. And somehow we don't give them the combination and all they do is get more frustrated and envious and angry because somehow life seems to be under lock and key. Jesus says, I've given you the keys to the kingdom. Keys that are meant to be shared and given out to others. This morning, very quickly, I want to talk about four keys we need to give to our children or to the children in your Sunday school class or in the school where you teach or to the neighbor children next door. Four keys. It really covers all of Scripture, and all I'm doing is giving you the outline. What I want you to do, the homework is for you to sit down this afternoon, certainly as parents and, or as a parent, and write down one goal under each of these four keys. I would like to have you put it in an envelope, mail it to me here at church, and put personal. In a month, I will call you up. If there's too many, I'll have to call. If not too many, I can visit you personally. And... Because with that sense of accountability, I can say, how is it going and how are you doing and giving out the keys? There always needs to be a response whenever God's word goes forth. There's four keys. There is the key to harmony with creation, the key to harmony with themselves, the key to harmony with others, and the key to harmony with the Lord. That covers everything in scripture. Those are the keys we need to give to the kids, to the children, to those coming over the hill. Irma Brombeck says that a lot, most people who go to the Grand Canyon, they've taken a survey and they only spend about 10, 15 minutes looking at the wonder of the, the greatest, one of the great wonders of the world, and they spend many, many minutes in the gift shops and in the restaurants. Somehow we need to open up the first article of the creed, the wonder of God's creation. This is my Father's world. The wonders of it, the wonders of a thunderstorm, the wonders of 
dew on the grass that looks like diamonds all over, the wonders of the moonlight and the wonders of all creation, the wonder of the human person themselves and all that that means. We need to give him a key that unlocks that beauty of that first article that God has created me in all that exists. The key to their own sexuality. They need to learn somehow the beauty of the creation of sex not through, a, not through ads on TV that talk about AIDS or talk about condoms, but they need to learn it in that place on the context of Christian parents and Christian teachers who share with them. There are many good books. If you were at VBS, you're aware of that. If you weren't there, you should talk to Belize or myself or someone else to begin early, in those early years, to begin to open that key for them the key of creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament declares his handiwork. There's a little poem, a beautiful long poem. I'd like to read all of the verses, but I'm just going to read maybe two or three. It says, children won't wait. There's a time to hold them close and tell them the sweetest story ever told. A time to show him God and earth and sky and flower, to teach him to wonder and reverence. There's a time to leave the dishes, to swing him in the park, to run a race, to draw a picture, to catch a butterfly, to give him happy comradeship. There's a time to point the way, to teach his infant lips to pray, to teach his heart to love God's word, to love God's day, for children don't wait. We need to open the key of harmony with creation the wonder of God making us and making the world around us, to cultivate that curiosity. Secondly, we need to give them the key of harmony with themselves. Father was late for a council meeting the other night here at church. He said, I'm late because my child asked a profound question, a practical question, a theological question. I'm sure you would understand my need to answer that question. How right he was. How we need to let them know their worth of who they really are. Had lunch with one of the young ladies in our church. She talked about running in a marathon. It was not 26 months, a shorter one. She hadn't really prepared well ahead of time. And for various reasons, she came in 38th out of 40. But at the end of the line were her family cheering her on. Somehow we need to build into our children that sense of worth of who they are. Dr. Garrett Frost, who has just recently passed away, had a beautiful way with words. And in one of his books, he has written this called Self-Appraisal. And great was the fall of it, Jesus said. He spoke of a house, the one that was built on sand. You see, it was an important house. And I am important, and you were somebody's. What proof, you ask? This, that our fall was great, for Jesus had meant the cross. This is our claim to greatness. It's the reason he died. Don't be afraid to say great and count yourself in. Only add the word sinner. That we are the sinner saint, that we are great, that our children somehow need to be affirmed in that way. And that takes time. There's no shortcuts. You can't give them a book on self-esteem. Self-esteem is not built by books. It's built by parents and teachers and members in the body of Christ who affirm their worth, even as Jesus affirmed the worth 
those children when the disciples wanted to get them out of the way. When he said, I leave the 99 and look for the one who is lost, who is precious in my sight. I like the story of Thomas Watson, founder of the IBM. He had to call in a young executive who had been involved in a risky business adventure in IBM and had lost $10 million. He called him into the office to give account. And as he called him in, the young man didn't wait for the president to speak. He simply said, I suppose you'll want my resignation. To which Mr. Watson replied, you can't be serious. We spent $10 million educating you. You think we're going to let you go? Needless to say, that was a change in that man's life. He was affirmed in the midst of his failure, but affirmed in such a way that he sensed that here was one who had confidence in him and saw him as important and could contribute to the worth of that company. There needs to be the home field advantage. As we talk about that in athletics, how much more important that children sense that in our homes where in the world they are often not stroked and affirmed and cheered. They need to have the home field advantage where somehow the key to their worth of who they are comes forward. One teenager said, do you know what I am? I'm a comma. What do you mean, someone said. Whenever I talk to my dad, he stops talking and makes a comma. Then when I stop, he starts right up again as if I didn't say anything. I'm just a comma in the middle of his speeches. We need to affirm and to esteem. Not to be super parents who are expecting super kids who somehow they need to read at the age of three and write at the age of five and know mastered math at the age of seven. Somehow we've gotten into this kind of expectations where kids become frustrated and say, I can never please my parents. I'm never good enough. I like the story of the young man who by surprise came to a young lady's home and uh, she was in the midst of teasing her hair she didn't quite know what to do she saw him walk up to the door but she didn't want to just let him walk away again because she kind of had an interest in this young man and so she opened the door and here she is with her te hair teased all over the place and so she didn't know what to say she said how do you like my hair <laughs> he stood there for a moment then he said well it looks as if it's about to become something wonderful. I like that. Our lives may be a mess, but somehow we need to say to our children, I think you're about to become something wonderful. You've been created in God's image, the first article of the creed. We need to give them a sense, a key key that opens up their sense of worth to esteem them and affirm them of how precious they are to us and to the Lord. Thirdly, we need to give them a sense of key of harmony with others to meaningful relationships. They watch TV and they learn how to relate in a very sick way to other people. You ever asked your child to forgive you? That needs to be front and center in any meaningful relationship between parents and children and Christians in the body of Christ. 
there needs to be that kind of modeling as you live in the home, if there's two of you, a mother and father, that somehow they will learn how to relate. And, and you need to model that in terms of forgiving, in terms of sensitivity, in terms of listening. Not to be like the father who was reading his newspaper and his little <clears throat> girl was tugging at him to get his attention. Father was so busy reading the stories in the paper, he didn't pay any attention. And finally, when she kept tugging and tugging, he finally gave up and in an exasperation said, What do you want? The little girl took her little finger and said, I wanted to show you the scratch on my finger. Well, I can't do anything about that, the father said. To which the little girl replied, but you could say, ooh. There are a lot of times we could say, ooh, when people are hurting, when our children are in pain, to allow them to express their feelings, to own those feelings. When they do feel frustrated, that we, we need to learn that, that, that somehow that's all right to say, I feel angry or I feel frustrated, and it's all right for us because feelings are neither right nor wrong. And somehow that needs to be expressed, not to say, don't cry, big girls or big boys don't cry, but somehow to allow them to express those feelings that are there. kinds of parents and according to one survey the authoritative the permissive the neglectful and the authoritarian the one that comes out on the bottom of the list is the authoritarian and too many Christian homes are under that you see rules without a relationship will lead to rebellion think of a couple that were lived here some years ago in town <clears throat> my wife and her were good friends and because of that we were drawn to go over there and, but somehow the husband and I really just didn't click he was in the technology or in simply in to that or into the word and once we got beyond and even in the word he wasn't in terms he didn't know church was good enough and so we had very little in common <clears throat> we simply became frustrated and would simply go along over there because our wives had a lot in common. I saw how he dealt with his children. It was simply rules. Son, do that. Son, don't do that. I thought someday, someday, sure enough, one's in prison right now and another is dealing with a sense of devastation in his life that will be difficult to overcome. Never saw him share himself, never relate in any meaningful way, never really express love. Never go out and throw a ball. Never give them time. Always in his technology or in his Bible. Rules without a relationship will lead to rebellion. We need to share and relate to our children in meaningful ways and model to our children if there is a husband and wife in the home, forgiveness. The security of seeing my father and mother embrace after certainly having a fallout and a disagreement. And children need to see how we work with those. But it ended in forgiveness and embrace and love. We need to give them that key to how to relate. And finally, the fourth key is harmony with the Lord. 
If you don't start with the first button in the right buttonhole, all of the rest, if you don't start in terms of the spiritual in the right perspective, none of the rest can come into being. If you care enough to send the very best is an advertisement we've heard for years. If we care enough to give our children the very best, it won't be in terms of labels on their clothes or in the kind of TV we have in the corner or even the food in the refrigerator is important as we learn to teach them how to have good diet habits. But if we care enough to send the very best, we will send the reality of Jesus into their lives. A living Lord. Who are you? Who do you think that I am? And Peter said, you are Christ, the Son of the living God. The living God. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall and he had a great fall and all the king's horses and king's men couldn't put him together again. We live in that kind of world that it seems to be falling apart for people and only in Jesus do all things hold together. There was a group that met in Florida and after studying the spiritual condition of our generation, the specialists in their meeting arrived at the conclusion many Americans have found Jesus, but they have not found time for him in their lives. <clears throat> dangerous to bring your children here, you know that. It's dangerous to have them taught in Sunday school or in the family altar. Because if we are not obeying the word and we're not causing them to respond to the word, we inoculate them against the word rather than infect them with enthusiasm for the word and for Jesus. Somehow we need to understand that too often we're simply getting a lot of knowledge and not a lot of obedience. And that's dangerous because then we only rationalize the word and we tear down the authority. We keep saying it's infallible and inerrant, but our children see in us that for our daily life somehow it's not infallible. It is relative in every sense of the word. Give them the key to who Jesus is. that he's a living Lord, that he's Lord of your wealth and Lord of your time, Lord of your play and Lord of your sickness and Lord of your vacations and Lord of school, that he's a living Lord, relevant and recreating and renewing and revamping and realigning. Give them a living Lord so that the first cult that comes along and lures them along, they won't attract them into that, that they know the reality of who Jesus really is. That they see day by day his effect on your life, making you a loving, affirming, joyful, celebrating, positive kind of person. Give them the key that doesn't inoculate them, but infects them. Don't lock them out. But give them those four keys so they can know life. Now and forever.
Andreas Bard. Remember reading this years and years ago. Had a meditation called Shall We Scrap the Ten Commandments? He tells about a noted physician in Paris who was doing a, a delicate surgery. At that time, they would do surgery in homes when he early in the 20th century. And he was doing the surgery under a, a very bright light in a home in Paris. Suddenly, the lights went out, and, and the, the physician became panicky. He said, lights, lights, I've got to have lights right now. The poor mother didn't know what to She went over the switch and up and down, and nothing happened. She looked out, and she couldn't see a light in any bear in the neighborhood. And they were there and frustrated in his silence as they sensed the breath of this child going away. Suddenly, the, there was a running up the steps, and suddenly a door flung open. And suddenly, a young husband, wild-eyed and with great enthusiasm, said, Honey, honey, cheer up, cheer up. We won the strike. There's not a light on in Paris tonight. The shocked mother went over picked up her dead child and went and put it in his arms and said, you won the strike, but you lost your child. Americans were winning many things, prestige, titles, all kinds of things, wealth, carpeted homes that are thicker and maybe bigger, and all these kinds of things. We're busy winning recognition for ourselves. of that, the most important inheritance, the generation coming over the hill, we're losing them. We're losing them. Because we've forgotten. We major in minors and we minor in majors. And we've forgotten the keys to the kingdom to life and to salvation. For unless they have that key, they too will die in the darkness without the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, I pray this day we can quiet our hearts And that as we go this day, that we can sense a goal under each of these four keys for our children. Whether it's our children in our home or in our Sunday school class or in our, or our relatives. Or goals in our own lives. We would take time to allow your Holy Spirit to show us the goals you would have for our homes. Lest we win and still lose. Lest we end up realizing when they come and leave our homes, somehow we've missed it. And life is still under lock and key. And Jesus is still only a name in a book or a word or a picture on a wall. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, encourage us Help us, give wisdom to us to understand the tremendous responsibility. One generation shall laud thy works to another and declare thy mighty acts and thy mighty deeds. O oh Lord, 
Come, Holy Spirit, show us the way. Show us how to show them the way and to give them the keys of the kingdom. Amen. I'm hoping that whether you are a parent, grandparent, guardian, aunt or uncle, teacher, public official or whoever, that you are compelled even more to lean further into the development and direction of all children as they grow up in this very difficult world. That it is real world experiences that will shape their lives and make them the adults that we all hope they will be. We are all learning that in today's world we cannot set an iPad in front of our children and expect things to go very well. Many of you have heard me make this comment before. For most of us, there will be no statues in the town square or buildings named after us. But it will be the youth that we knew who will be our legacy. The weight that is on our shoulders is the weight of the next generation standing on our shoulders. It is everyone's responsibility. Thank you for listening. Until next time, which I promise will be sooner than later, keep the main thing the main thing. And God bless our children. Thank you. Thank you.